This is John Mitchell. This is Milan Hayden. This is Jan Hayden. Hi, this is Peter McNabb, and you're listening to the official podcast of Dog Nation Hockey. Smalls wins the draw, puck pulled back to Cap. He'll take it himself down the left wing, flying into the zone across the blue line. Looks to Smalls down the slot, he'll walk in, he shoots and scores! All right, folks, welcome to the Dog Pod. This is Mike Smalls, Freeman, and Marty Cappy Richardson, and we are excited to bring you episode four of season two and we've had a flurry cappy of activity since our last dog pod my goodness we've had stand up for dog nation we've had the abs 5k a celebration of life for coach obi of the littleton hawks an elk hunt a pheasant hunt check presentations uh johnny o and the st louis boys were in town and we even helped a young man fly a 737 and earn his wings wow that's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> yes, there. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it has been nonstop for quite a few weeks here. And and um, it, most importantly, we've had more recipient requests than ever. Like this is the most we've ever seen in our 11 years. And, and every single one of those is worthy of our help. So we got we to gotta stay busy to, to do what we're, we do is best is giving back. And and uh, wow, impact and memories are, are life-changing, not just for these people but honestly for you and me absolutely no, no doubt about that and i know that uh speaking of impact we've had a, a record-breaking year and our stand-up for dog nation that check that evening to joe bradley put us over 2.8 million dollars to our recipients yeah yeah and there's a show i mean it, and that's going up every single check so right um it's it's now exceeded that and closing in on the next milestone here but it's not really why we do that i mean it is but it, at the same time it's the memories we create and and as we continue to grow our pack yeah and i know that the you know there's a big memory created yesterday with our abs 5k we have the smith girls on today mm-hmm. and uh their their dad uh, uh ran or i was able to push him in the last abs 5k mm-hmm. and um so really excited to have the smith girls in studio today and you had a special moment yesterday at the 5k yeah it's big big deal for me my my brother, as most people know, ended up having a heart attack back in March that turned in, unfortunately, into a heart transplant. Um, so yesterday, we did a 5K together on his brand new heart. So that was pretty cool to to see him do that. And he actually did really, really well. And, and uh, we didn't run it, but we ran it, walked it at a pretty big, brisk pace, and he had no problem at all. Yeah, and that was no, that was uh, uh, not a flat course yesterday. It was at Red Rocks Amphitheater and beautiful setting, but definitely uh, going downhill one way and uphill the other. Yeah, no, it was it was a, a neat day, and thank you to the Avs for always. Uh, this is the fifth straight year they've chosen us as the charity for that, and, yep. and it was neat to see all the dog jerseys out there yesterday. Yeah, and we were coming off, uh, I know, uh, two two separate. Uh, uh, assignments for us on Saturday night. I was at the uh, Coach Obi's Celebration of Life and working with uh, Littleton Hockey and Brian Tanek to really honor their uh, their teammate and uh, their their coach and, uh, and their son and brother and uncle. 
uh, so many, uh, so many lost a really good friend and, and coach Obi, and we were able to really celebrate his life that night and present the family with a nice check. And I know his mom, Linda, uh, shared with me yesterday. She said, you know, I said, how did that go? And she said, man, I, I thank dog nation and all of, all of dog nation, because I felt so much lighter, uh, today, you know, on Sunday, she was talking, I felt so much lighter today and felt so loved and so much joy and so much, um, goodwill, uh, with my son. And that just, I'm, I'm going back to going back home, uh, just with so much gratitude. So it, it matters. Like you said. Yeah, no. And you said, like we said, we we're getting so many right now. We kind of almost, uh, ships passing in the night and last couple of events we've had to do. You've got, you've been, a. Um, 60 miles away from me as we go do st- other stuff in down in Colorado Springs. And I was able to go down to uh, Colorado college down there. And those guys are been big supporters of as well. And took a couple disabled vets with me and a young man named Malik Jones to a Colorado college hockey game. So it was uh lots going on on our end. Yeah. Including hunting trips. I know yeah. I was in North Dakota hunting pheasants with Milan Hayduke and Larry Martinson and Casey blue from the, uh, Martinson services bought that trip and Jim and Rose per dames, uh, sponsored that trip. The, uh, farmers up in North Dakota and my wife's family and man, uh, what a trip. I know my favorite line from that trip is as about 12 to 15 roosters got up out of this field and out of this uh, gully flew right over Milan. And I, uh, Milan said, uh, smalls we're under siege. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine that. And then we I heard talking. you missed every single yeah, one. I meant, well, yeah. <laughs> yep. I think Milan might've too. Yeah, he did. He yeah, said he missed yeah, everyone. So we, that was we were intimidated by yeah. their numbers. Yeah. And, and, it, and this past weekend we did an elk hunt up in Walden. Um, that was, uh, they didn't miss much there though. Five, five bulls went down on that one. So, um, that was, uh, these are all big fundraisers for us and gets us out there. And, and today we're going to have a featured guest, um, Samantha Hiller, um, second referee in a row that we've had. And, and our last guest being Dave Jackson, over 1500 games in the NHL. Now we have someone starting their career, passing the torch on to this young lady that's breaking barriers. That's right. Sam's a Colorado girl uh, from Boulder, Colorado, and now lives in Chicago. But she's the first woman ever to referee a men's professional hockey game uh, in the state of Illinois at the AHL level. And uh, um, just so, so proud of so proud to, to know her and call her part of the uh, Dog Nation family. Yeah, and she's been part of Dog Nation for a long, long time, from being an ice girl to uh, being part of our events to refereeing um, our events. And now here she is literally breaking barriers, being the first person, for one of the first women ever to referee a men's professional hockey game. And um, pretty big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, that it, as as our listeners know, if it's a dog pod, we aim to inspire with stories of resilience, hope, and hockey. And boy, speaking of resilience and hope, we have the privilege of talking with the daughters of Todd Smith today, uh, our recipient from uh, Tee It Up two years ago, 2019, who unfortunately lost his battle with cancer. And, and yet we've been inspired to see these young ladies battle through their grief and really lean into the love and support they have with Dog Nation and their family. And uh, we've, we get to share their story today, and they have some powerful voices. Yeah, that's right, Smalls. We we have going to have both of Todd's daughters here today as we talk about their father, impact of the hockey community on them, and then how they're now paying it forward. 
Yeah, and before we go much further, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors and a special shout out to our friend, John Gelso of Van Jack Vodka, a longtime and really consistent sponsor of Dog Nation. Hi, this is Mark Rycroft, owner of Sobo Liquors, the official liquor store of Dog Nation. Just like Sobo Liquors, Van Jack Vodka, and their owner, John Gelzo, share the same fundamental values of Dog Nation. Van Jack is a great product out of Golden and can always be found at my store. At Dog Nation, we believe it's important to support local products and businesses that put an emphasis on helping families in our own backyard. Give Van Jack a try. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back, every everybody. It's time for my favorite part of the show once again, Smallsy. This is where we get our van jack on. So what's it going to be for you today? Well, it's raining up in here, Cappy, after that 5K and a late game last night, big day yesterday. Uh, van jack and rain for me today. Wow. You even had a game after the 5K. I, I did. did. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. so, well, it looks like I've officially converted you. This is Three in a row, a hat yeah. trick of uh, of rains and no more of these wimpy drinks. That's right. So that's pretty that's good. Right. So um, I'm on the rain train. Yeah, of course I'm going for Van Jack and rain. What a surprise there, right? And um, so I'm going with dog colors once again, and I'm going to go with the red dragon and Van Jack. How about that? That sounds good. Well, hey, I know that uh, uh, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, stop for a moment and uh, recognize the incredible asset that we have in Shaw Hockey Productions. Hey, well, uh, thanks, Smalls. Appreciate that. And uh, glad to be back for another episode. Was a little bit of a break there. Had to remember, you know, dust off the console and, uh, <laughs> and right. bring it back into the studio. But um, yeah, it's 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 a great time to be in hockey. The abs are getting going off to a season start <laughs> and uh, looking for good things coming from them. And over here, we've got a high school season in the fall winding down the prep season and looking forward to the Chasta season coming up in a few weeks in December. And uh, yeah. Yeah, along with winter. So, yeah, and I know that you you played a role in that OB um, celebration of life on Saturday, last minute ask, but yeah, you yeah. jumped right in and helped yeah, out. Yeah, we were able to uh, right before a couple semifinal games in the CPHL season, able to uh, get set up and stream that for anyone that couldn't be there to watch and and still take part in it and the and the various little ceremonies that happened. So yeah, we we're happy to be able to be there and uh, glad we could make it happen. Yeah, including a beautiful eulogy by. Uh, one of Obi's teammates, Ollie, and uh, as well as a puck drop that included uh, uh, Obi's mom. And so just a, just a great celebration, and thank you again for jumping in Shaw Hockey Productions. Yeah, always glad to be a part of things like that. All right, now that we have our Van Jack on, it is time to get to our guests, some powerful females on the show today, starting with Samantha Hiller. And Sam is breaking barriers and helping change the path of hockey forever. Cap, I know that you've known Sam for years. Yeah, you know, I first met Sam through a guy named Peter Friesma, who referees a lot of our beer league games, and he was working at the Edge back at the time and told me about this this young gal, incredible skater that was at the camp that he was putting on and he said um uh you gotta meet this girl i think she could really help out at dog nation and i did meet her we hit it off right away and known sam ever since and um 
she's doing some stuff that's just amazing and breaking barriers. And I couldn't be more proud of her. And we're going to have her on today. It's going to be pretty cool. Well, let's, let's get her on. Shazi, if, uh, without further ado, if you want to uh, help us welcome Samantha Hiller. All right. Yeah, we got her and ready to go. Sam, you there? Yep, I'm here. Well, oh, well welcome to the dog <laughs> pod. I uh, appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule to, to spend some time with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. All righty. Well, Sam's coming all the way from Chicago today, so she's not in not Chi town. Chi town. She's not here enjoying our van jack with us. But other than that, um, uh, uh, thanks for joining us, Sam. And uh, um, we're going to be talking about breaking barriers today. And um, and we're we can't. Uh, we're going to start right off the bat with um breaking barriers in in the stripes. And but before you became a referee. You were a hockey player, and and uh, that was already breaking barriers because hockey's really kind of a more a primarily little boy sport. And here's a little girl that wanted to <laughs> play hockey. So, kind of talk us through that. How you became interested in this sport? Uh, well, my mom is a huge hockey fan. So, growing up in the house, like we were always watching hockey games. Um, she was a big Kings fan as well as an Avalanche fan when we moved to Colorado. And, uh, you know, used to watch all the time for my seventh birthday, we did an ice skating party. Uh, it was one of the first times I'd been on the ice and I just fell in love with it. Like I loved being out there. Um, from that point on, I told my mom, I was like, mom, I need to play hockey. And she said, well, here, we'll start by skating. We'll, you know, go to these public skates, learn how to skate. See if you still like it after you've been skating a while. Uh, so we spent about almost a year doing public skates and just learning how to skate. And my mom really started teaching me. And then after that point, I was able to start playing. And I just played locally, started playing travel a couple of years after and just loved it and um, kept playing all the way through high school. And um, that's kind of where I started officiating as well. I started uh, officiating when I was 12. So I was doing both growing up. Well, that's that's pretty cool. So when you were little, were you already playing with boys at that time? Yeah, I played. So I played at the YMCA. Uh, that was my local rank there. And uh, I played on an all boys team. I think there were maybe one or two other girls in the league, but we really didn't have the availability of girls hockey at the time. So it was just it was boys hockey, but I loved it. And once I moved into uh, at that point in time, checking was still permitted in peewees. Mm. So I was in check hockey, um, playing peewee hockey and stuff like that. And I played for my high school boys team. Um, and uh, there was a point though, in my career where, uh, track hockey became dangerous for me. Uh, I'm kind of smaller in stature. Uh, and at that time I wasn't nearly as strong as the boys were. And, um, so at some point I had to transition into girls hockey, but, um, for the meantime, that was a great way to grow up playing on the defensive side of the puck and, uh, learning how to skate really well and keeping up with the boys. Wow. You know, I didn't realize you played high school hockey with boys yeah my freshman my freshman year i played on my boys high school team <laughs> wow it's impressive I, that's right i also noticed that i saw a picture of you playing for monarch high school is that right yeah that was the girls combined team yeah so we had like uh 
we had girls from all over. Like I said, like it's hard to find, it was hard to find girls who could uh, field a team out of each individual high school. So the Monarch combined team was a bunch of girls from mm. high schools in the area. I went to Boulder High. Gotcha. Um, and that's where, you know, we pulled a bunch of girls together to make that team. And there was a, a, a special letter on your jersey, I noticed, that, that uh, <laughs> signified that you were the captain of that team. Yeah, yeah, that was my senior year. <laughs> so you've been, you've been leading women for, for quite a while. So sounds like you were uh, already officiating at 12 years old. And uh, we've talked about you're quite the player, quite the leader. So tell us about that transition moving from player to referee. Um, well, so I started, like I said, I started when I was 12 and, um, at that point I, I just liked getting more ice time. <laughs> I liked having, uh, having a little bit of a paycheck, uh, at that age because there was no other work I could really be doing other than maybe babysitting. So it gave me an opportunity to skate more games, get on the ice more and, uh, just get some experience. I was kind of recruited by the referees who would work my games. And, uh, I don't know if you've heard of CC and Rick, uh, but they were, they used to ref my games all the time. It was a father daughter duo. And they said, we think you'd really like this. You should try it. And so I, I gave it a shot. And at first it was just that, that thing to do and, uh, that extra ice time and the extra paycheck. And I really didn't think much of it. Uh, until I kind of went to my first couple camps and started meeting other referees and um, started talking more to people about, you know, just officiating in general. And it really opened up my eyes to what was available out there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I imagine if you were babysitting, you probably implemented some of that refing and put kids in the penalty box. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, right. So anyway, two hey, minutes for refing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So, five, uh, five minute major for hitting your sister. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I mentioned earlier that. Uh, I first heard the name Samantha Hiller from a guy named Peter Friesman, a good friend of mine. I know a good friend of yours. And um, he mentioned to me, he used to ref a lot of the games that I, I played in over at the edge. And he said, there's this, this young gal, you got to meet her, Marty. This, this she's, I just did a camp this weekend. It was all guys and only her. And she was by far the best skater out of, and these are top referees. She goes, she's amazing. And won all the, the, the skating drills that I had them doing. He said at that point, way back then, he said, watch out for her. She's going to, she's going to be something, write that name down, Samantha Hiller. She's going to go <laughs> places. And, and so I, yeah, we talked earlier on this, but, um, I think you remember that camp and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it had to be. Um, I'm thinking it was one of my camps out in Utah. It was one of our development camps. It was the first um, referee camp that I got invited to. And I was very excited. I think I was 16 at the time. And like I said, like I was playing and I was refing and I was just kind of doing both floating around doing what I love to do. Uh, didn't realize there was an opportunity to travel. And then they sent me an invite to go to Utah, which, yeah, it's right next door, but still somewhere. <laughs> and right. uh, I was like, wow, this is cool. So I, you know, went out there for this camp and it was a weekend. Um, and there were a number of supervisors there of people who were willing to help us and supervise and give us feedback. And these were 
uh, high level officials that were given, you know, Friesma was there, Butchie was there. Um, and Sarah Henderson, who was a really strong official on the female side. So I get out there and my first game I had was actually, uh, 16, like 16 AAA boys. And I, had not figured out yet where my positioning was. I didn't know necessarily where to be or what to call. And I was so stressed out about it. Uh, and I came off the ice and I was actually kind of upset because I thought I was going to go out there and be a superstar. And then I was like, what am I doing? Uh-huh. Um, and Butchie saw me and he came over and he's like, Hey, Hey pumpkin. Like, it's going to be okay. Like you're, you're doing just fine. You're skating hard. We'll get you ironed out and everything. It's going to be good. And, um, from that point on, it was a, a positive experience for me. And I knew that, uh, I think it was the first time I'd really been challenged. And I said like, okay, I can, I can do this. Like I can get better at this. And it kind of became that passion of like, it's something I could improve on and really develop, uh, from. And so I think that camp was just my first exposure to like the competitive nature of being an official, uh, it was my first time I had been really challenged and um, showed me that I, I had an art in my hands that I could really work on and develop and get better at. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And you mentioned a couple times Butchie, and uh, the the listeners may not know who that is, but you're referring to um, the the very famous in the officiating circles, Butch Mousseau, who's the first Native American and still the only Native American to referee an NHL hockey game. And he had a really special person that, that we lost way too young. And tell us how that guy impacted you. I know he impacted a lot of people and, and uh, you especially, and I, you even mentioned a little pet name that I, I, I've heard him call <laughs> you. I heard him call you that back in the day as well. Yeah, he's, uh, Butch Musso was, was, and will always be a very special person. Um, and he, he was one of the first people that took me under his wing. And even in that camp, you know, hardly knowing me, uh, he brought me in and said, you know, Hey pumpkin, we're going to get through this. And it was always, he always gave me that encouragement and, uh, he always supported me. He would, cheer me on from afar and he'd hear about my bigger games later on in my career and he'd send me text messages like I love you I'm so proud of you and just Mm -hmm. to have such a special person in my corner um, meant the world to me and he's um, he had a great influence on everybody you know I think he brought a really great light to the officiating community and you know people started to recognize officials and maybe what a great uh, position it was to be. And he just, he brought this love to the game that I think we can all appreciate and cherish for the rest of our lives. And, um, I'm just grateful that he had such an impact on me and that I got to skate with him, uh, that I got to work the games I did with him and, um, that I'll always cherish those memories. And I think, uh, even today, you know, when I get on the ice for these big games, I do think about, you know, if he was around, would he be proud of me? And I, the answer is always yes. I know if he were here, he'd be cheering me on too. Absolutely. Well, hey, Sam, let's talk about uh, the nitty gritty part about refereeing a bunch of guys, right? So we've <laughs> already established you're a beautiful skater and, uh, you know, you, you that's certainly something that you have uh, in your in your bag, right? You, I mean, you um, Marty established that you can outskate a lot of people. And so 
but how do you how do you garner that respect from from a bunch of males uh, in in the sport and in, in including breaking up fights and and you know you've talked about you know your smallest statue how do you how do you handle that yeah I think it's uh, that definitely came with time <laughs> you know and um, a lot of it has to do with your confidence that you have and mm-hmm. um, there's you know there's male referees too that are that are my size and my stature and all of us have to earn that respect, you know, and, um, I think it really comes down to your confidence that you have as an official in your calls, uh, the way that you communicate with people. And, you know, of course my skating is really in, that'll always be, uh, something that's special for me because I know that my skating style is a little bit unique. Um, And I think that when I can show people like how hard I'm willing to work and that I want to skate hard and that I'm putting all of my effort and energy into these games, that hopefully they can respect that. And, you know, even if we disagree, that they can appreciate the hard work I'm putting into it. Um, And as far as fights go, you know, that's big on communication. I think it's been a concern for a lot of people. Uh, they're like, how are we going to have women in men's pro hockey? These guys are huge. The women aren't going to be able to break up fights. Right. Um, and I've seen those comments a lot. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, I'm a referee, so referees usually don't find themselves in the middle of fights, but, uh, even for my linesmen that are out there and, you know, the females that are going to be lining these games, um, when it comes to breaking up fights, it's a lot about timing. Uh, we kind of know when the players are getting tired Mm -hmm. and we also know how to communicate with them, you know? So if you can let them know you're there and uh, say, Hey, it's me, it's me. They're going to (laughs) know. And hopefully they'll have that mutual respect of like, okay, I know the officials in here. I'm not going to start punching them. Um, But you know, it's part of the, that's part of the game. And I think that's something we appreciate about it is the grittiness of this game and how um, we love that aggressive component. So I think, um, for me, it's always been like a, a good challenge to have is establishing myself and making my presence, um, strong enough that they respect me, um, just by seeing my hard work and the way that I stand by my calls. You bet. Um, and, and how about, uh, the getting back to the fighting piece? Have you ever taken one on the chin trying to get in there and break the boys up? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's been a number of times I've taken a few hits. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, uh, that's just part of it. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. We've seen on the social media, I know the years I didn't look at it recently, but, um, with you with a a pretty girl with a fat lip there and I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's, uh, and, uh, but a smile on your face. So that's all good. Right. So we uh, love the game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It comes with the territory, doesn't it? Especially if you're jumping in there trying to break those up. Um, uh, you and I met for the first time, um, several years ago and you were actually an ice girl at the time. And, um, it was really easy for me to find you on the ice cause, <laughs> um, very few people wore hockey skates that were ice girls, but you did. So, uh, I would be like, there's Sam right there. And I think there was two of you that wore them that year. And, um, and tell us about that experience and, and it, how that impacted your overall journey to today. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for it. It was one of those things that I actually tried out on a dare. Uh, someone said, (laughs) they were like, you won't, you won't do it. You won't. And I was like, watch me. So then I went, uh, went and tried out, made the team. And I was like, well, this is kind of cool. You know, this is a new experience. Uh, it was that different side. Most of my, as you mentioned, you know, 
most of the girls that were there were wearing figure skates. And so I got to be that, have that girly component to the game and um, got to experience, you know, the, the games from a different place and being able to be up on the glass for almost every home game the Avs had was phenomenal. Uh, I loved just sitting there watching every game, being a part of it, getting to go on some of the, I mean, the Pepsi center, it's now what the ball arena, Uh, some of the best ice in the league. So it was really nice to be able to skate on that and regularly uh, just a great experience. And it led me to, you know, a lot of wonderful people like, um, you know, I probably wouldn't have been as actively involved in dog nation had I not met Marty, uh, at one of those games, you know, and just some of the people that I met, it really opened up the world of hockey to me. Um, and it was one of those experiences I'm just grateful for, and I'm grateful for all the connections that I made doing it. Um, and it gave me a new perspective on the game, just being able to be up close like that. Yeah, it sounds like you're basically front row to a uh, tutorial too, right? Watching some yeah. of the <laughs> NHL refs and their positioning and how they call the game, and you're right there on the glass probably taking it all in. Absolutely. Well, I know a moment in uh, your journey uh, is, and congratulations, you're, you were invited as one of 10 women to ref the AHL and really, again, breaking that glass ceiling. Uh, tell us about, you know, from, you know, from that uh, first moment where you, you, you've talked about that camp in Utah to the puck drop of your first game. <laughs> so it's, I mean, just thinking about how long ago that camp was, it's been a wild ride. That's right. uh that's 12 years, of, uh, 12 years of working a lot of hockey games mm-hmm. and traveling to a lot of places um, and meeting a lot of really great people along the way. Um, you know, I think the entire journey, it for me was a lot of camps. Um, USA Hockey has a lot of development camps. So I worked, uh, went to a number of those and participated in a lot of um, tournaments, a lot of games. Uh, furthermore, I just started working various leagues. So once I went off to college, I was offered a spot in the NCAA. They said you could start working division three hockey if you want. And I said, sure, that sounds great. And that was kind of my transition from playing to refing because I either was going to play in the NCAA or I was going to ref and I chose to ref instead. Right. So, um, so that's where it really kind of started. And 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 um, why was that? What what was your deciding factor of I could play college hockey or I could ref? Um, I went to a camp. It was at the time it was called regional camp, and that was kind of the first stepping stone USA Hockey had for the women's side. Uh, you go to this regional camp, and it was like a week long, and you just uh, really get the crap beat out of you the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of it's an endurance camp that's very hard, um, and so I went through that camp, but I came out of it just being even more passionate about officiating than, than I ever had been. And that camp, they also told me like, we can get you on track to get your international license. You can travel the world. You can participate in these national tournaments. And to me, that just sounded like amazing. And I also looked at myself as a player and said, I don't think as a player, I'll ever be able to do any of that. Um, I was a good player, but I wasn't phenomenal or anything. So I was like, that's not going to be an option for me. Um, so I kind of took the path that not only was I more passionate about, but I 
knew there were a ton of opportunities mm-hmm. uh, ahead of me if I really wanted to embrace it and um, continue along. So made that decision. Um, and really, <laughs> honestly, I just kept doing what I loved to do. And that was skating a lot of games. It didn't matter what level. Uh, I did work a decent amount of college hockey and, you know, the ACHA and boys high school, but uh, it's not past me to go work, you know, a squirt or peewee game on a weekend and just get some more ice time and hang out with the kids. Like, that's what I just, I just kept taking games, um, working really phenomenal charity tournaments and, um, you know, got to participate in a few of Dog Nation's tournaments, um, just skating for fun, you know, and for good causes and doing things that I love to do. So the opportunities just started to present themselves. Um, I never really went out looking for them. They just kind of, as I kept doing what I loved, I think that people recognized my passion and sort of brought these opportunities to my attention. Um, so I eventually got my international license. I did, um, four international tournaments and, um, after those tournaments, it kind of just turned into, um, skating locally, skating more little bit of junior hockey here and there. And then, uh, as far as the AHL goes, this was the, uh, follow-up to the NHL officiating combine. Mm. So that's, that, that really led to your first night in the AHL. Yeah, no, yeah. let's, let's go kind of back to that a little bit. Cause this is, this is groundbreaking really the, I know the NFL's already done that a little bit in the NBA NHL's, um, uh, has fought, has hasn't quite taken that step yet, but but this was a really big deal that the AHL even decided to do that. And um, kind of tell us how that camp came about. And it was a little bit of a surprise to you, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was uh, so actually. There's a I think a string of a little bit of luck that played into this. Uh, I was supposed to go to the NHL officiating combine back in 2019. Um, due to work circumstances, I wasn't able to go. So I told him I'd go the following year, and the following year was COVID. Mm. Uh, so then I ended up going this year to the combine. Uh, when I went to the combine, I just um, it was just an awesome opportunity. It was a great chance to kind of get on the radar, to be seen, to you know test my abilities, and went to it and had a blast. Like it was just a great time. And, and I came back home and I was like, what a wonderful experience. You know, I don't know what's going to come of it, but I'm grateful for it. And, you know, a few weeks went by and (laughs) I'm on my email and all of a sudden I've got this email from the AHL and they said, we'd like you to come to our referee camp uh, in a couple of weeks. And (laughs) I was just looking at it thinking like, is this really for me? I double checked the email like three times because I didn't believe they were sending it to me. And, um, and it was just mind blowing. I was like, okay, like initially the NHL didn't seem like a possibility to me. Uh, it just seemed, you know, like something that, uh, was like a far-fetched dream, but you know, that maybe I could shoot for it anyways. And then when this AHL opportunity presented itself, I was just, I, think it finally hit me that this is a possibility like it's never been done but that doesn't mean it can't be done and so we went to this camp there were um seven of us that 
um, went to the referee side. Um, and we just, again, it was like a repeat of the, uh, NHL officiating combine, a lot of the same physical tests, skating tests, um, cause they do off ice and on ice testing. And we have, you know, a couple seminars and we get some really good mentorship out of it. So really great opportunity again. And it, it kind of just started happening. You know, we were signing a contract. They were giving us a Jersey number. Uh, and I was sitting there like trying to put the pieces together. Like, it just didn't seem real to me. I'm trying to put these pieces together. Like, are they giving me a sweater like <laughs> to actually work or am I going to get a game? I'm not sure. Um, so I, just kind of crossed my fingers. And then all of a sudden the first week of assignments came out and my name was on it. And I was like, Holy cow, like I'm actually going to work a game. And it was this moment of like all the years and all the traveling and all the hockey games and everything and every bit of ice time I've ever gotten in my life. were coming into this one moment of, you know, a, a huge game in my career, very pivotal and not just for me, but for, women in hockey for other officials who don't know that this is their passion yet, you know, and, uh, it was almost a show of like, everybody can do this, you know, like if, if this is what you love and you really want this, like you can make it happen. And I was just so grateful for that moment. Um, finding out that I had this game, it was Chicago versus Milwaukee here in, uh, in Chicago. And, um, so I, worked with a couple of guys that I've actually worked with in the past. And, um, it was just, uh, I can't even really describe it. It was like this breathtaking experience. And I walked down the tunnel and the players are fist bumping me. They're like, congratulations, oh, welcome to great. the league. And yeah, the players were awesome. And the coaches were like, congratulations, welcome. And there's just this level of, uh, respect and professionalism that, um, I have not experienced so much in my career, um, as I did that night and I was just grateful for it. And, uh, the whole time <laughs> it was a faster pace than I'm used to, but I felt like I was in the right spot and I felt like it was within my realm of ability to be able to do. And I made some calls and, you know, made some no calls and I <laughs> uh, definitely signaled a few goals and just kind of went out there and did my job and loved it, loved every second of it. And um, it was just a rewarding experience and um, just a phenomenal game, you know, and one of those things that like, it's not real until you're done and you're like, wow, that happened. And you still, still can't wrap my head around it completely. <laughs> so yeah, no, that was a, that was really cool. And it was to kind of fill in a couple blanks for everybody. That was October 23rd, AHL. It was the first game ever that a female refereed in the state, uh, men's professional game in the state of Illinois. So talk about a pioneer. That's you right there. And that, mm -hmm. I was, uh, for me knowing you for so many years, I was, I was like the proud papa for proud uncle from Colorado because um, you and I chatted a couple days after that when I was on the way to coach kids soccer in in the car and you kind of shared a little bit about what you just did now and um that that you got the respect right from the very beginning and Sam from me to you you earned that over all those years and I thanks for uh, yeah you got it and I I wasn't surprised but I it was it was cool to hear you tell me all that and um you also had a lot of people in the crowd that night usually. 
Hopefully, you don't have fans in the crowd wearing referee uniforms, <laughs> right. but I know you did that night, right? So, uh, <laughs> so, I did have a few. <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about what it was like, because I know nobody can do this. Mike was a, a NCAA athlete. I was an NCAA athlete. We can't do that without our families. And so uh, you reaching the levels that you, you have, you can't do that without your families. What was it like having your family then, friends there? Um, it meant everything, you know, I think, and just like you said, like this, you wouldn't have been able to do it without your family and your friends. And it's really, uh, those are the people that are there for you in hard times, you know, because these, these magical moments don't come without the, uh, trials and tribulations of, um, of a career of, things that have gone wrong or games that I'm like, God, why am I still doing this? <laughs> and you have these moments where you, you go through some struggles and your family and your friends are the ones that are there that are like, you got to keep doing this. Like you're doing great. And, you know, or you have a great game and they're there to pat you on the back and say, freaking awesome. I loved watching that game. And, you know, you, it's, it's just great to have that kind of support. And I think in life to have the right people, um, cheering you on and the right people supporting you and the right energy in your life. Like we all need that. You all need good energy in life. So it's just, it just adds to the, um, excitement and the joy of that moment to have the right people there at that time. Well, Samantha, it sounds like you were welcomed with open arms that night, both by of course your family, but the coaches, the players, well, let's talk about the other side of hockey for a minute here. And, and uh, as a referee, I'm sure you've had plenty of colorful conversations with players and <laughs> coaches. And and as you think about that, are there any good comebacks where you get back to the locker room and you go, man, that was a that was a pretty good uh, uh, chip by that guy? <laughs> there, Yeah, I'm sure there have been some one-liners in the past that I've been like, oh, that was a pretty good one. Right. Um, I, I can't pinpoint any at the moment, but, um, you know, it's – <laughs> it takes some quick wit sometimes on these guys to, um, and usually it's player to player that I hear some of the chirps and I just yeah. uh, try not to laugh, but right. I can't help it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, you know, I think, I do think it's part of the game. Like you, you have to be able to talk a little bit and, right. uh, and I try to, sometimes the players, you know, I've in not such professional settings, uh, you know, I'll try to, maybe just throw a little chirp in there sometimes just mm -hmm. to make them laugh. And it really eases the, eases the tension of a game sometimes. <laughs> do you ever notice just with, uh, with gender playing a role, do you ever see a guy look at you and go, you know, I probably am not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> there are, where that yeah, plays there in your favor, you know, <laughs> that's happened. Um, you know, even in the game I had here in Chicago, uh, one of the players came up to me, um, and he's like, you know, when I'm, when I'm yelling, I'm not like yelling at you personally. I'm just yelling because I'm upset. And, uh, I think he's, he's probably never had a female official work his games ever. Um, because if he's this age in the AHL, uh, at the time he was playing juniors and stuff, there probably weren't any women doing that. So I, I'm sure it was a first for some of these players to have a female official, uh, and, I think for them, it's like, okay, I just want to make sure she's not like offended if I yell. Right, <laughs> and, right. You're and I'm like, out it's the okay. Inner like, I, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> reminding them, hey, you can be a gentleman and still be upset. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And I still, you know, there are players that they'll, they'll say things and I'll be like, 
it kind of sounds like a mom almost where I'm like, excuse me. And they're like, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. You yeah, know, I, I think that. it. That's powerful. Two words you can. You I can know. Yield, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's because my mom used to say that to me when I'd say something out of line. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it <laughs> and then works. I would just kind of straighten up real quick. And <laughs> it seems to work pretty well on the ice, too. <laughs> yeah. All you got to do is learn their middle name and say both of them together. Exactly. So that's, that's usually what you do. So, um, uh, amazing journey here. What are the next steps for you and and really the other other uh, nine females uh, between the linesmen and the referees that that made these debuts this year? Um, how do you see one of those or all of you refereeing in the NHL? And and if so, what kind of time frame would you see that happening? So i I do think it's a matter of when, not if, anymore, and. Growing up, people used to say like, well, you're not going to work men's professional hockey. So, you know, like stop dreaming about that. And I had a number of people tell me this would never happen. Um, And so the fact that it is kind of starting to come to fruition, I'm like, okay, like we can do this. Um, And there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to. So my, my thought and my true belief has switched from, you know, it will it ever happen to when is it going to happen? Um, I do believe that at some point, um, a few of us might make it there, um, or will make it there. And as far as when I'm not sure, cause just like any other official on the, on the roster and on the staff, we still need to, um, you know, become the top of the league. So to work ourselves from the bottom where we are right now, we're technically at the bottom. We're new to the league. We're new to these teams, these coaches. So you got to work the league for a little bit before you can really start to separate yourself from the pack. Um, And I think it'll maybe take at least a couple of years uh, to get that kind of respect and um, to kind of get that experience in this league at least that's what we've done in the past. You know, that's what we've done for college hockey and juniors. And, uh, we usually work those leagues for a couple of years and separate ourselves after a few years. Um, so I think, I do think it's going to happen, uh, within the next couple of years, it'll probably be a few of us. I can't imagine that the AHL and the NHL with the, uh, with the vision that they have, that we would only send like one. I don't think that's what their plan is. I think they would like to see this game open up for a lot of people and, uh, and they know that we can do it. So they, they see us work, they see us skate, they know, we know the game and, uh, there's no reason why they don't, you know, the AHL has very much and the NHL too has expressed how much they, that we've earned this spot and they, they're very much behind us. They, uh, they are very supportive of the women in this league. So, um, you know, I see them really mentoring us and getting us to that point where we could be ready for hire at some point. That's great. Uh, I know, uh, Sam, that you've earned a lot of things in life, and, and one of them is you're, you're more than a referee. Uh, you're also a first responder. And so tell us about that in terms of, again, breaking into uh, what has been a male-dominated you know, culture of EMS and firefighters. And here you are uh, you know, kicking some butt there as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think, so I went to, uh, actually when Marty met me, 
I was working as an ice girl and I saw one of the medics that was working at the, at the time, the Pepsi center. Um, and he's, I asked if he was a medic. He said, yeah. And I said, that's really cool. That's what I want to do. And he, he actually ended up being the owner of that company that was working that contract. And, uh, he was able to get me into EMT school out in Colorado at, uh, St. Joe's. So I went over there and, uh, I went into the EMT program, started working out in Colorado and my plan, I didn't really know what I wanted to do as far as, uh, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do as far as medicine went, but I knew I needed to be in the medical field somewhere. So whether that was an ER doc or an ER nurse or, you know, and then I realized that firefighters ran EMS calls. And to me, that was like, that was the pivotal moment of like, I'm going to do this. And there were a ton of steps that I went through to become a firefighter paramedic, because uh, if you're going to do it as a um, as a career, you have to do a lot of testing. There's a lot of loopholes. There's, you have to go to paramedic school, um, all these things. So the process of that career and getting to the, to the career that I have now took me seven years, uh, <laughs> between school and experience and going to fire Academy and all this stuff. And, uh, I just read the other day that, uh, 11% of firefighters are women. So you're correct in saying it's still a pretty male dominated field. Um, but I, I loved it. It was just, it was like, uh, a really great parallel with hockey. Um, I have a bunch of brothers. Um, we work really hard. We go through some really hard calls, uh, and we get through it. And for the most part, the good outweighs, uh, the bad. And every day we kind of, Every day is different, just like every game is different. And it's really this interesting thing that came to me. And I was like, this is what I need to be doing in life because it is exactly in line with what I love to do already. Um, and I also obviously love helping people. And I've always found myself running to problems and running to uh, bad situations to try to make it better. Um why? So it was just a perfect fit for me. And I fell into this career because I I knew that all these things added up and here I could do medicine and I could also be a part of my my team, you know, be a part of a bunch of boys that we're going to work hard together and we're going to, you know, accomplish all these tasks together. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's a really fun, loving, uh, fun, loving career too. Like at the station, we have, uh, we have a lot of fun together. Yeah. So. Well, another incredible breakthrough, and I know uh, what an asset that is to to have also in your tool bag as you're even refing games, you know, where, where it's maybe not an AHL game and there's not a medic on, on site mm-hmm. and, and you're at a youth game or a, a lower level game and, and you have that uh, skill set as well. So that I know being on ice with paramedics when there's a paramedic <laughs> on the bench, it's always a nice thing. Yeah, we got one on our team, so yeah, that kind of helps because we're yeah. inevitably going to have some sort of injury <laughs> exactly. on our beer league team. But uh, <laughs> right. let's sh- shift gears for a second, Sam, and um, uh, talk about how I we we mentioned earlier how you became involved with Dog Nation. But um, what does it mean to be part of it? Um, I mean, it's it's awesome. Like I just seeing all the things that Dog Nation has done for the hockey community, um, for you know all these people that we really care about, and it just shows how strong we are as a community. Um, and it's uplifting. It 
like warms me to my core to think about, um, you know, all the, all the support we've given to people and, um, and knowing that you just have this other family, you know, we will always have each other's backs. And I think, uh, it's such a special organization and I'm so thankful that you've built this up to be what it is now. Um, I know initially when it started, it wasn't, uh, a a super well-known thing and then it just kind of grew and grew and here we are, um, you know, a nation nationwide people know what dog nation is. And that's what it's about is expanding the community and really bringing people together, um, even under hard circumstances and saying, you have, you have a family, you have this support, um, and being there for each other is just, it's just that extra backing of like, you know, what makes us whole. Yeah. Yeah. That I know, uh, we are proud to have you part of that family, Sam. So thank you so much. And I know, uh, one of the things that we've been uh, doing here on the dog pod, uh, as we <laughs> wrap up as we've been having some fun with call with, with what's called the Shazi speed round. And so, Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nobody That's prepared right. me for this. No, no, we, <laughs> we, we on purpose didn't have this one for you. So anyway, um, there's, we're going to ask you three questions here and, um, and we're going to answer them first. So we're going to give you a little bit of time to answer that. So the first one is the, oh, Shazi, you're going to do these, right? You're going to yeah, ask yeah. us. Okay. So Shazi, Shazi with his sexy voice is up here. We'll, we'll call it the Shazi <laughs> So, all right, get ready. No pressure. Just first thing that comes to oh, mind. No. It's not going to be you first. So we're going to have to start with Mike yeah, and then yeah, me, yeah. and then it'll be you. So y'all right, you got check. a little bit of time to think. All right, so we we're talking right. about doing a lot of work, a lot of high stress, about getting punched, and stuff mm. like that. So let's contrast that with favorite place to relax. Oh, okay. For me, for me, it's easy. It's going to be a lake in Minnesota. I'm having a cup of coffee and I'm probably uh, on a boat. Yep. Wow. I figured there'd be some van jack in there. (laughs) So, uh, so, but you know, I, mine is like every morning. I, 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 when I don't do this kind of a bummer, but I've got a, a 15 year old little, little dog named Maggie and it's really just going for a walk with Maggie in the Mm -hmm, mountains. mm -hmm. That's really, that's my, that's my favorite place to be a meander in. with maggie in the mountains yeah, that's right yeah that's right so Party. all right so those were quick answers sam so you're on you gotta think quick on oh your my god here. this is so stressful <laughs> <laughs> i uh i have a number of places make the I call love to make the call sam there we go <laughs> um favorite place to relax is it wrong to say my bed i no. love sleeping yeah <laughs> I know. It's sometimes it's like, oh my god, how how I love just laying in bed and like taking a deep breath and mm. being like, ah, oh, this is where I want to be. <laughs> yeah, sounds 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 good to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so now we'll we'll uh, change it up a little bit, and this could be at any point in time. Oh dear. But uh, mm. if you could choose any historical figure to have dinner with, and go. Okay, Mike. Okay, for me, I'm a, I'm a history buff. So for me, it's got it's going to be an American president. So I wouldn't really care who it is: Obama, Bush, Kennedy, um, Reagan, um, Martin Van Buren. <laughs> probably not him. <laughs> <laughs> but Abraham Lincoln. Just give me a president. I I would be so tickled. Yeah. No, that's that's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I. I'm going to probably go sports because I've been a sports fanatic my entire life. And um, and since this is a hockey podcast, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Gordie Howe. 
Okay. I think I would uh, really enjoy sitting down and, and hearing what I love, hockey history, sports history, and just kind of tell them, uh, have them tell me what it, what it was like back then and, and some of these, these stories that never hit the press cause for a reason. Right. So that'd be a good <laughs> True. <reason. laughs> All right. Um, man, <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably go with Thomas Jefferson. He seems like a really interesting person. He had a lot of interests and, uh, he was a very, um, yeah, just an interesting guy. Like, I'd like to hear what he has to say about what, where we're at now and, uh, how he would plan on doing things. <laughs> and, uh, right. Cool. Yeah. Have you ever been to Monticello? I have. Yeah. 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 I fell in love it's with that really place. It's a really awesome property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. Great... My, uh, parents used to live out there on the Mon, like along the Monticello wine trail. Wow. Okay. So we went on like, uh, checked out the property and you could see like where the presidents used to ride their horses between each other's properties and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. Last, last one. one. This is the last, last one. one. Yeah. Last one. This isn't meant to be one of those stinger job interview type questions, you know, so no, <laughs> okay, whatever, whatever first comes to mind is the speed <laughs> round. So what animal best relates to your personality? <laughs> oh, my oh my God. For me, I'd like to think of myself as that, you know, proud and majestic African lion. But lately I feel more like the, the lab from uh, the, the old yellow lab, you know, from funny farm that just old lays yellow? there. Yeah. He just lays on the bed and his tail, tail starts on fire. He doesn't even know it. I don't, I don't get that. I see that at all. Smallsy. You are, uh, endless energy here and getting all this <laughs> stuff done. I, uh, but, but if you want to be a lab, labs are loyal. So you are loyal. loyal. So that's loyal. good too. So, um, I'm going to go with the one that Mike thinks of me most of the time. And that's a Tasmanian devil. Oh yeah. So makes total <laughs> sense. Total <laughs> sense. energy. Yeah. A little bit on the energy side and, um, and, and relentless. So, so I'm, I'm going to go with that, but, um, uh, so Sam, you get you get and your, in, your and in, uh, in quite contrast to you, Marty, uh, my spirit animal is actually a sloth. Oh, <laughs> sloth. look at that! <laughs> look at that! I, some of my friends call me Sammy Sloth. Uh, but I I do like to uh, eat and take naps and take it easy. <laughs> and, uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> Smallsy, that might have been you too. Could work at the DMV if the hockey <laughs> doesn't work out. Exactly, like Zootopia. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Right. Well, that, honestly, that makes sense. As hard as you're working, I, I've been, you know, listening to you talking about seven years of work for the EMS school. Um, what? Twelve steady. Yeah, 12, 12 years of work before you hit the AHL. I don't know if I'm doing my math right, but starting at twelve years old to, you know, when you had your first uh, AHL game. 16 years of officiating 16. and then wow. yeah, seven, seven years start to finish to get my, uh, firefighter paramedic. Yeah. So, so. it's no wonder that you, you need a little downtime. So. Yeah. Yeah, That's definitely. Right. <laughs> my yeah. true spirit animal is very sloth like yeah. until I have to go to work. So. I'm sure that's about five <laughs> minutes of your day. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that concludes, um, our time with you today, Sam. And, um, I know that's not going to conclude my time with you because I'm, I'll, I, we chat quite often and, um, I, I can't wait to hear the next steps here for you. And, um, but thank you for coming on and just know that, uh, I'm incredibly proud of you and what you've accomplished so far. And I know this is only the beginning and I get to brag about you all the time. So congratulations. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Thanks, thank Marty. you, Sam. Great. Thank great you talking guys. To you. It was awesome talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. 
All right, Smallsies, we're back here, and we got a couple of really special guests with Tatiana and Haley. Yep, we have two amazing young ladies, and Marty, I know that uh, we started with the Smiths when, unfortunately, Todd was diagnosed with cancer and was fighting a battle for his life, and, and uh, we were able uh, to go into their home and, and meet these two wonderful ladies. So, uh, Tatiana and Haley, welcome to the Dog Pod. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and there's a, there's a that was a really I mean it was sad but it was really cool to get to know that family during that time period for you and I we were going to their house. We were uh meeting we, the grandparents. Gra- yeah, the yeah. whole family honestly. Yep, exactly. And um and really that check happened a really powerful one at the 2019 2000 mm-hmm. uh tee it up or 2020, right? No, 2019. 19. And yep. um so that was um that was a powerful day there and um remember that one um when when we had a table full of smiths right, right in front of there and and we ended up having Todd come up and and the family and a little bit of a surprise there and and it was a really powerful moment um for for everyone and for me for you for the for the family and Haley and Tatiana tell us about that day we'll start with you Tatiana Um, That day was just super special. Um, I've been in college for the past two years at that point, and it was just awesome to have my whole family there together, as well as the Shaws, who Dave and Carolyn came into our lives as well, kind of taking over responsibility of Haley and being able to have them support Haley to be still in high school, all that stuff. So it was awesome to have my grandparents from Canada, my aunt uncle and cousins from Canada as well. My uncle from South Korea came by. Uh, my great aunt and uncle from Arizona were there. And then, like I said, the Shaws were there as well. So it just felt like a whole big family reunion. And it was just so important and special to us to celebrate my dad and his fight and to celebrate him a little bit. Yeah. Haley, how about you? I mean, I know you were right there next to me as well that day. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had just recently gotten back into public high school. And so it was this crazy busy time. And I was really like happy just to have everyone there to support him. He did so much for everyone else, always did his best to take care of us as girls. And it was important that it was his day. People were there for him. He felt the love from our family, and it was just an incredible moment to experience. Yeah, we really fell in love with your family through that process, including you two girls. And I know uh, your dad was in a really fragile space at that time, and I know that even him getting to the tee it up for us to be able to present the check to you guys as a family was really touch and go. And I remember even uh, you girls helping your father stand up from his wheelchair so that he could um, accept the check. And and uh, not probably a month later, I had the honor and privilege of pushing your dad in the Avs 5K, uh, which we just celebrated another 5K yesterday with you girls volunteering, but we'll come back to that. But had the honor of pushing your dad in that wheelchair and all the way through the 5K. And uh, one of my favorite memories with your dad is just experiencing that day with him and being able to kind of get him across the finish line, knowing that that was going to be one of his last, you know, uh, metaphorical races in life. Right. And, and, uh, but 
tell us about your dad, because I know you girls both had just an incredibly um, special relationship with your dad as he was, he was, um, you know, the, the sole parent of you two girls. Um, the simple way to put it was he was my best friend. Um, he supported me. He always seemed to knew to know like what to say to me when I really was struggling. Um, he was not the perfect parent. Absolutely not. But he worked so hard to make sure that we were set in life and it did not matter what it was. He would be working till 8 PM, sometimes even like one in the morning. And he would be picking both of us up from our sports and he did not complain ever. And that was just so important to us was just that undoubt, undoubtedly strong, fierce kind of man that we needed in life. And that's, it, it was hard to lose him. Absolutely. But at the same time, like it's so special to celebrate him for what he was. And that was my best friend. Mm. How about you, Haley? It makes me cry every time I think of him, honestly. Um, no matter what happened, he had my back. Um, through the thick and thin of things, through everything, I knew if I fell, he had me. Um, he taught me how to be a strong woman, how to be independent, how to ask for help, and shaped me into the person I am today truly and honestly so yeah that's that's some powerful stuff um mike you and i are both fathers of daughters and um and i know we're both not perfect and i uh, i appreciate you saying that because uh it's it, we try to be but we're we're not and but to have your daughters love you like those two love their dad yeah, it's absolutely. as good as it gets, right? Yeah. As and, good as it and gets. to be doing that by yourself, I think about myself as a as a parent, and I'm made better by my wife. She always kind of says, "Hey, you know, you might want to approach that one differently, particularly with your daughters." You know, yeah. it's like, "Oh yeah, good point, good point, <laughs> good so, point yeah. yeah, yeah." We 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 have that. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, we have and that. Todd didn't. That's so, right. And mm -hmm. um, but and still look at what it turned out. Amazing, right, amazing. amazing girls. And so I'm so proud of these girls. So. uh What's making the biggest difference in your recovery now? Right now, um, just learning how to be siblings again and mm -hmm. just learning how to um, kind of pick up the pieces and pick each other up and to keep moving forward. And one of the biggest struggles was just mental health in the past couple years and just being honest and open about our mental health and just always been there to support each other. And I, I just now value that more than anything right now. How about you, Haley? I know you've done just a incredible amount of work to, um, again, to take care of yourself. Tell yeah. us about that. What's, what's making a difference for you? I was in residential treatment for 10 and a half months in Utah. Mm. And every single day, at least three and a half hours worth of group therapy, hour and a half of family, hour and a half of individual. And it is so not socially talked about and it should be because the amount of people that struggle with generational trauma with grief with depression anxiety like it's never talked about and I think me being able to go there and be like socially appropriate and like accepted that like it's hard 
it's hard losing a parent. It's hard being a teen during COVID and just all of this stuff. And it's just, it was so powerful to learn about myself, not just like my personality, but like how I mentally process things and just learning that like, I deserve to take some time for myself to gather myself back up so I can be there for others. Yeah, that's some powerful stuff. And we've had that a little bit on the show from a, a big, strong guy that was a fighter in the NHL. Yeah. Talking about what he went through. We had a young man that was in the Humboldt accident uh, named Tyler Smith that has a quote, it's okay not to be okay. And the nice thing, I mean, what what's kind of coming out of this is it's getting much more accepted. Yeah. And um and and uh you're not getting left behind and it's not secretive anymore as right. as as it used to be, right? I mean, you and I have seen that change in just the time last Absolutely. couple of years. And just, you know, um, hats off to both you girls. We're so proud of you. And and you think about, of course, you have to do the work, right? You lost your father, right? You lost your sole parent. You, you Best friend. Yeah, you lost your best friend. And of course, you have to do that work. And thank you for doing it because, and thank you for taking the time and the space. And uh, because now, as you as we talked about on the 5K yesterday, you guys are doing the work and paying it forward so that all of your relationships are healthier because you've done the work that grief requires us to do. And not everybody does that, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. And if you don't do the work, you know, that can that can have negative implications on all of your relationships in life. And so, um, and, and, and yourself as well. So, so proud of you girls for doing that. I know, uh, uh, Tatiana, you talked about a little bit and both of you can touch points on this. How are you guys doing in terms of redefining those roles and, and getting back to being a, a sister? Cause you're also a parent and you're also an advocate. Yeah, it's been a process. We are continually working <laughs> on that every day. Um, one thing I've noticed is the biggest change since I at least have graduated college is Haley and I living together and me being her sister, but also me being her parent to some degree, because it's just us two, you know, we got to have each other's backs. Um, but also too, I like what her executor as well, just an, an advocate as well, like for her future. And so I'm learning how to kind of juggle all these roles. Um, Haley knows I am not perfect <laughs> and I'm working on it, but it's been tough. Like I, I really want to be her sister because she's 18. She's, a, you know, a grown woman. But also, too, I realize now stepping in that parent role, what it's like to really, really, truly care about somebody and wanting the best for them and things like that. So I'm learning how to kind of navigate that world. And it's been important for both of us to kind of figure that out. And we're still working on it. Yeah. How about you, Ailey? Definitely. I mean, it's it's that acrobatic balance of what role do I play in this situation? How do I take accountability for what I've done? As well as like, how can we better this situation moving forward? What did we learn from this? And what do we take from this? And how do we grow? And it's easier said than done because we're siblings. We're sisters. We're like, it's, we get in those silly kerfobbles where we're mad at each other for mm. pencils or something. Right. And but then at the same time, she's my parent. She needs to look out for me because I'm not at the age where I know 
no one knows everything, but I don't know how to be an adult. And having someone to guide me through that while I get into college and things like that, as well as just a buddy, like my sibling, my buddy, my best friend. And because we live in such close quarters, we get on each other's nerves. And that's just what happens. Yeah. And I know while uh, Tatiana, you you are her advocate, you're also your sister's advocate, I've noticed, right? And you fight for her and you want the best for her and you support her. Definitely. And so again, Absolutely. it goes to, you know, I think your your dad's legacy as we as we talked, he'd be so proud of you both. The way you're taking care of each other and the way you're advocating and fighting for each other. There's no doubt you guys have each other's backs as your dad as you spoke about your dad had yours. Yeah, and and speaking of that, um uh, part of that that recovery is is um, not forgetting your dad, and and I know you guys are never going to do that, but uh, representing the Smith family at and paying it forward, and which is exactly what you guys did yesterday, and um, it's pretty cool. Uh, on a five k with my brother with his brand new heart, and one of the first people I see down the down the hill, and you guys turn this way and dog jerseys and making sure the people go the right place are you two. And it was awesome. And, um, and seeing you guys there representing your dad. And I know like, like Mike said, he'd be proud of you either way, but we're proud of you too. And, um, that was pretty cool. And, and what's it like to pay it forward now? It's so important to me. Um, people that have helped out my family, I just, I want them to be a part of my family. And my dad always said, you know, it's never what you know, it's who you know. And he said, it's important to keep the people that will always have your box super close. And this is family. Mm -hmm. It really is. The hockey community is family. They've always been. And so it's so important that we help out Dog Nation and keep these people super close to us because they have done so much for us. And it's important that we do a lot for you guys as well. And it, like I said, it's just family. You got to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a privilege to be a part of this community and be a member in it and be able to contribute. And it's really important to me that I keep my friends close and my family close to me because no matter what happens, I know I can have your back and you, I know you'll have my back. And just having that familiarity that like something goes wrong, I know who I can reach out to and the same way. And just being able to go and be like, I'm myself today and I can help out. And it just makes me happy. It makes me really happy. Well, it makes us super proud of you guys. And we're so happy to, to be part of your lives. And we truly love you guys. And, and, uh, and we appreciate you guys spending some time with us. And at every event is made brighter when the, when the Smith girls are working the merchandise or <laughs> working the 5K registration because it just reminds us this is why we're doing this because you guys matter to us and that. And, and we take great pride in saying, you know, it's not, it's so much more than a check presentation. It's about walking through life with people. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so you guys are really um, living that with us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. And again, thank you girls for, for spending time with us. All right, we are back. And what a power hour with some incredible uh, female uh, 
glass breakers from uh, from Samantha to the Smith girls. I'm just uh, so blown away by uh, just the you know the the maturity and the, the the powerful young women that we got to spend some time with today. Yeah, did you have a highlight today? I I would agree with you. There was a lot going on today. Yeah, I think you know for me the highlight from from the Sam segment is just you know thinking about you know the amount of work and perseverance it takes to reach your goals. You know, she talked about from 12 to, uh, you know, from 12, it was 16 years of her working to, to break that glass ceiling of the AHL and, you know, and to become a, uh, you know, a first responder seven years. And so I think that's a really important takeaway for any listener to, you know, particularly a young listener to go, yeah, it's going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to work hard. And, and, you know, that's a core tenant of ours. Yeah. For me, um, this was the first woman we had on. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool. And, and you being a father of daughters, me being a father of nothing but daughters. Um, that was pretty cool for me to, to see what Sam's doing, what these gals are, are the Smith gals are doing. Um, and, and just persevering as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And also, um, uh, breaking down barriers that yeah. that people would have thought you can't do that. Well, guess what? They can, and it's creating some opportunities and future opportunity for so many. You bet. And as I watch the Smith girls, I think, you know, no one wants to go through tragedy. Yeah. No one wants to see anybody lose their father and their sole parent. But when I when I see these girls speak and I see them at our events, I think, wow, like. From tragedy comes incredible strength. And again, you got to do the work. Yeah. But wow, right? Yeah. We have some amazing young women before us that are a product of that struggle. That is true. So we, and we talked about them helping out at the 5K. We got another event coming up. Yes, we do. We have the Dog Nation Winter Classic, and that's going to be uh, Martin Luther King weekend up in Silverthorne, Colorado. Uh, we still have openings for teams at all levels, and I know that uh, it's going to be just a, you know, couldn't be a more beautiful setting to play a game that you and I love, uh, and that's pond hockey. So it's four-on-four four pond hockey, and uh, it's going to be a great weekend of not only pond hockey, but also giving back. Yeah, that's true. And with that, that puts a wrap on episode four of season two. And always remember to play hard, play fair, and give back. You were born to win.